You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Second Timothy chapter 1. This morning I spoke to you on the subject that um, we're back. Here's what we are from 1 Timothy. We're back. We're back in church. We're back in this building. And here's what we are. And again, I have no, no qualms with any other church. Whatever they want to be, they can be. And I mentioned this morning, we have nothing to do with uh, a contemporary service. We're not rock and roll. Uh, we're not, um, we're not going to be uh, painting the ceilings black in here and turning this thing into a nightclub. We're, we're a preaching church. And uh, I make no apology for that. And, and I want to say, if that's not what the next church is, that's their business. People say, can't we get along? Well, yes. Let us do what we feel God wants us to do. Sure. And you do what you think God wants you to do. And you just do it. That's what, what you want to do, do it. But we don't want to do that. We, we like it the way it's been going for 46 years. We're going to have, I was going to have Brother Ron pray, but I, I just sent them all down. We'll have Miss Desiree come sing for us. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, please tonight in these brief moments, use the message of the hour. We're back. Here's what we are. As we preach the second part of this message tonight, God, may we not be a church that just flounders. May we know what we believe and why we believe it and what we're trying to see accomplished here. Thank you for all the people that have made this day so special inside the building, outside of the building, those that have worked so diligently. And I pray that you as now bless this closing time of the service and the closing hours of this day. And we give you all the praise and honor because, Lord, you're deserving of everything. In Jesus' name, amen.
thank you. Thank God for that hand. I was in my study this afternoon and tonight, and I went to, we won't go there, 421, and I saw that song, Hold to God's Unchanging Hand. And then one of the songs tonight was His Hand. Now, as she was singing that song, I never thought of this till while she was singing. Today's the 27th, June 28th, last year, I was preaching on the unseen hand. I just thought of that while she was singing. And I, I wondered why God took me to 421, hold to God's unchanging hand. And on the 29th, 28th tomorrow, uh, my father-in-law, it'll be a year, the great preacher, 57 years, St. Church, on Sunday he passed away. And I'd preach that night, hold to God's unchanging hand. On the next day, the 29th, Reagan was involved in that awful accident, our granddaughter. And uh, it's so very serious. And there she sits tonight. Hold to God's unchanging hand. God's so good to us. God's been good to my wife and I to give us this great church. They've been wonderful people, just wonderful. I rarely, in fact, I don't know if I ever have, perhaps I have, I never preach part two to a message. But tonight is, we're back. Here's what we are. The first one this morning was chapter one, First Timothy chapter one, two, three, four, five, six. The first book to Timothy. This is the second book to Timothy. It's to the early church. And he's dealing, particularly as you get to Titus, with problems already in that early church. They had doctrinal problems. They had personality problems. And as we're back, uh, there's a renewed energy in this uh, heart of mine that I want to see God do more as we await that rapture of the church. When you look at chapter 1 of 2 Timothy, verse 3, the Bible says Paul writes to Timothy, verse 2, my dearly beloved son, Paul had won Timothy to Christ. Timothy came from a godly mother, but an unsaved Greek father. His dad was not a Christian. And Paul said, I thank God, whom I serve for my forefathers with a pure conscience. Without ceasing, I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I might be filled with joy. And then our first thought tonight, verse 5. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned. When someone is feigned, they're fake. They're not real. And Paul said, it's real with you, Timothy. It's real. I know it's real. It's unfeigned faith that is in thee which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded in thee also. I want you to know that tonight we're back, and here's what we are. One, we are generational. We believe in a generational church. Grandfather, father, son, grandson. 
Paul speaks about generations, and the Bible speaks about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses has generational. In the Bible, you always see generation. When you see, tell it to your children and your children's children and your children's children, Joel 1, 3. You keep passing it down. I was pondering this week the joy of Sunday school. We're redefining everything. And if other churches want to call it, uh, what is not, not Sunday school, uh, um, connection groups. You want a connection group, have your connection group. But we are gonna have Sunday school around here. You know, I think about the fact that my grandfathers had Sunday school, and my father and mother had Sunday school, and my wife and I had Sunday school, and our children had Sunday school, and it's desirous. You know, the big thing in contemporary church, you go to Fundamental Baptist Church, they're just, they're just yelling and preaching, they're not teaching the Word of God. Then why have you stopped Sunday school? Now, you don't want Sunday school, don't have it, but we want Sunday school. We want every child sitting in a class and every adult in a class with an open word of God and teaching the word of God to our people. It's generational. And I want to say tonight, I have no desire to change the Sunday school and make it coffee clutch time. I want people to come with the Word of God, the Bible, and we open up the Bible and we speak from the Word of God. We don't need less Bible, we need more Bible. It's generational. Uh, and the, the purpose of the church, I have written a book on it, and the first chapter is generational living. How come we cannot pass this thing down? We've never been in a day like we are today. The church was working well. It was doing well in the 1700s and the 1800s and revivals and the Great Awakening, First Awakening, and the Second. You can look online and get the, uh, just write Great Awakening and it tell you that America was going deep into sin and there was an awakening that came in the 1700s and an awakening that came in the 1800s and revivals spread through this land when the nation got so wicked and then the 30s and 40s and 50s and the 1900s, the 1930s, 40s, great churches were built. And after World War II, an awful time after they went through the Spanish flu and World War I, and they went through uh, the Great Depression, and they went through World War II, 60 million people died. And then they went through the, uh, the Dust Bowl, and they went through all these difficult times. Then the churches rose up. Churches rise up great during adversity. I can't wait to see what happens. Now I know it's summer, and I know our college is out, and I know people, there's many on vacation today, and God bless them, I think they should be. But I'm gonna tell you something, there's 3,000 seats here, and I believe God's gonna refill all 3,000, plus the other building that's filled tonight as well. I believe that God wants to do greater things in this day than ever before. I believe that God wants to use you and me to get this next generation ready and pass it down to you and say, here's the baton, now run with it. Go do the same thing. Have hymns and songs and spiritual songs. Have preaching and have, yeah, amen, and, and have services in Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We don't need less of God, we need more of God. You take in our great area of two million people in the Silicon Valley tonight, you take in this Bay Area seven to eight million people, I wonder how many churches are open. They don't wanna be open, 
They don't have to be open. But I'm going to tell you something. We're staying open. You say, well, if, if it's me, and if it's just me, your pastor, and my wife, and she decides not to come, I'm still preaching in here. We preached in here without anybody during COVID. I'm going to preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort. I find it's generational. God says in the book of Proverbs, in chapter number 22, remove not the ancient landmarks which thy fathers have set. There's a standard that's been placed, a flag that's been placed. And I'm grateful I grew up right nearby here in the little fields of Centerville and our little church in Irvington in that little district, and it was not Fremont in those days, it was just a little, little city of 2,500 people in, in Centerville and 2,500 people up the road in Irvington. And we drove to church, and I thank God we had a Sunday school and Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. And we thank God for the youth department we had and the singing we had, the camps we had, and the things that God did. It's generational. Stop trying to alter everything. You know, really, it's the height of pride to say how stupid and ignorant your parents were. That they believed in preaching and singing and Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, how full. The whole country did. The Methodist churches used to be open like that. The, the Presbyterian churches used to be, the congregational churches used to be, the Baptist churches, the Bible churches used to be open like that. My mother got saved in Milwaukee at a Lutheran church and for eight days straight, the evangelist preached on one subject, hell, there is a hell. And he preached the word of God and my mother got saved under that type of ministry. Hey, I wanna tell you something, <laughs> our country's falling apart at the seams and we're closing our churches. And we're having these big buildings built and edifices built and we use them for an hour on Sunday morning and they sit empty all week long. God help us. We're generational, we're back. And here's what we believe. I believe we just keep passing it down to the next generation. I don't believe you need to redefine it, kids. I believe you ought to just keep going with what has worked and what will continue to work. I find secondly, we're back. Here's what we are. We're soldiers. We're generational, but we're soldiers. Turn with me in your Bibles to the next chapter, chapter two. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So no man that warth entangled himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen to be a soldier. A soldier in the army of the king of kings of my. He called me to his colors and for him I'll live or die. I'm a soldier in the army. Onward Christian soldiers marching us to war with the cross of Jesus going on before. Isaac Watts in 1767, uh, he, 64, he wrote the song, Am I a soldier of the cross? a follower of the Lamb. He wrote that song, said, and shall I 
Shall I be carried to the clouds on flowery beds of ease while others fight to win the cause and sail or bloody seas? No, I must fight if I'm to win. Increase my, increase my courage, Lord. I'll bear the cross. Thank God that I can be a soldier. Be a soldier. Soldiers fight. I believe that tonight we ought to fight for this book. We ought to fight for Genesis to Revelation and the outside cover that says Holy Bible, King James Version. I think we ought to fight for the Word of God, the great historic doctrines of the faith. We ought to fight for the, the Beatitudes. We ought, to fight for, we ought to fight for the Old Testament, the New Testament. We ought to fight for the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20. You know, God said, okay, Moses, you can run your nation of two million Jews on ten laws. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not have any graven image. Thou shalt not have any other gods before thee. You know, God said, here's 10 rules. If you just, Washington, D.C. gather together this week, unless they're on their summer break and pray they are. People complain, say, they're, they're on break again. We want them on break. We have more liberty when they're on break. When they're there, they're thinking of new laws all the time. I want you to know, if we would get rid of every law that they're making, just get the Ten Commandments back. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. If we get back chapter 22 of the book of Matthew, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, we'd be okay. We'd be all right. Love God, love man. Really, we could get by on those two right there. Just love God, love man. Soldiers fight. Be willing to take a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to know this, that soldiers defend. They fight oppression. Look at chapter one. Chapter one, this new philosophy was coming to the church. And Paul says in chapter one, verse 15, this thou know also, that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me of whom are fallacious and harmonious. You know, he said, I want you to know something. Everywhere I'm going, I'm seeing people turn away from the gospel. This was the first generation. You imagine this man's head in, in chapter four is gonna be severed from his body. He knows he's, just, he's in jail. He knows he's just days away, maybe hours away from dying. And he said, you know what? I, I wish that people would stay true, but they're not. Notice what he says in chapter 2, verse 16. Chapter 2, verse 16, shun profane, feigned babblings. What, what is a, a, a babbling? Well, you go back to chapter uh, 6 of, of, of Timothy. He said, vain babblings. That's people that pick up scraps of information so they can put it on the internet and say it's true. Be careful of that. And he said, vain babblings. For they will increase in the more ungodliness of who the word uh, uh, and, and their word will eat as doth a canker of whom Hymenus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying the resurrection has already passed and overthrown some of the faith. You know, he names these people and says, they're causing division in our church. Uh, notice, if you will, please, in chapter number, uh, chapter number uh, three and verse number six, he said, uh, 
having a form of godliness, verse five, but denying the power thereof from such turn away of this sort. They are crept into houses and led captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diver lust, ever learning and never able to come to the truth. Now as Janus, he brings another, and Jambres withstood Moses. So did these, uh, these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds, reprobate concerning the faith. How about what he says in chapter number four and in verse number three, for the time will come where they'll not, pre, will they not uh, endure sound doctrine after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They tickle the ears and they shall turn away their ears from the truth. He talks very distinctly. Here's another man I want to introduce you. He was just with me at Colossae at a great revival meeting, Paul said. But now in chapter four, verse 10, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. He talks about Alexander in verse 14 of chapter four. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord award him to reward him to his good works and to his works. In other words, he said, look, I'm naming these people. You may not like it, but I'm just putting the name on them because they are causing division in the church. Go back with me to first uh, to, to the book of T uh, Titus. All the T books are together in New Testament. First and Second Thessalonians, First and Second Timothy, Titus, and uh, and first, Second Thessalonians chapter three, verse six. Let's read verse six together. Second Thessalonians three six. Do you have it there? Ready? Begin. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourself from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which you've received of us. The Bible goes on to verse 11. Let's read verse 11 together. Chapter 3, verse 11. Ready? Begin. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busy bodies. Verse 14. Ready? Begin. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed. You know, friend, you're going to have to figure out who you're supposed to walk with and who you're supposed to avoid. And we're back in. You better figure this out. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man. Psalm 1.1. 1, 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. You can't be walking with the ungodly nor stand it. You walk, then you start to stand in the, uh, in the way of sinners. And then you sit in the seat of the scornful. God says, don't do that. Don't walk, don't stand, don't sit with people that have philosophy that is air are scorners. My Bible says, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. You teenagers down here throughout the house, let me tell you, the greatest, the most important decision right now that you'll make is who's your friend. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. I'll show you your destiny. By the grace of God, you have a wonderful mother and hopefully a father. Would you get real close as a teenager to your mother? You're gonna to have to have some adult guide you into adulthood. And it's not gonna be the internet. And it's not gonna be your little friend. And it's not gonna be a girl, another girlfriend, or a guy, another guy. They're not prepared to guide you in. Here is um, Addison, our baby granddaughter. Addison, are you six years of age? Are you six, hon? All right, she's six. Now, you know, Nana's car is out here tonight. I'm gonna to give you the keys to her car and I want you to drive it up here and pick Nana and me up after church. Are you ready to drive? 
You are, yes, yes, exactly. She's just like her mother, ready to go. You know what, she, she's not ready to drive. And you kids, you're not ready for adulthood. You're getting ready, but someone's gonna have to, have to guide you. You're gonna have to sit on dad's lap or mother's lap first. Uh, Brother Cooper, you know what I'm talking about there. But nonetheless, I'm talking about the fact there has to be some training. Do not, do not try to get somebody online. You young mothers, I love you, you're great. You're going on internet to find out how to raise a baby from another 25-year-old. If that's not a case of the stupids, I don't know what is. What does she know? Why well, she babysat her brother two times, she's no authority. Once you get Titus chapter two, some aged woman, the Bible says that you young women, you need to listen to the ancient women. You young men need to listen to the ancient men. And I want you to know that they can help guide you. When we talk about, what well, we're back in. Hey, here's what we are. We're generational. We're fighters for the truth. Thirdly, thirdly, if we go back to the book of 2 Timothy, I want you to see we're Bible people. We love the old Bible. Notice chapter 3 of 2 Timothy. Can we read together verse 15? Ready, 315, begin. That from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures. Mother and dad, children need this Bible infused into the heart. Look at the next verse, what it says. Still speaking of the Bible, all scriptures given by inspiration of God, it's breathed by God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect or mature or complete, thoroughly finished unto all, furnished unto all good works. I love the old Bible, the precious old Bible, the light on my pathway to guide. We sing in elementary chapel, the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E, Sunday school teacher. I, I, I thank God for uh, stories and all those things and, and parables that Jesus gave us as well. But teach the Bible, line upon line, precept upon precept. Teenagers, I know that our youth pastor is getting ready to spend some time with you here in the next week or so about getting you back on track if you're not with your Bible every day studying the Word of, Bible, the Word of God. 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30, whatever you're gonna study, and having a notebook and having a having a, a plan to get through the word of God and understand this book and then plan it in your heart that you might not sin. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I love this Bible. Let me close number four. As we think if we're back, here's what we are. We're generational, we're soldiers. We're Bible-loving people. I finish tonight with this. We believe in finishing what you start. Look what he says in chapter 4. Paul's ready to have his head severed from his body. And the Bible says, verse 6 of chapter 4, I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. What was his course? Verse two, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Paul tried his best. He found the will of God. 
He fulfilled the will of God. He finished the will of God. You've heard that statement from this pulpit so many times through the years. Find the will of God. God has a will. God has a plan for your life. Find the will of God. What is the will of God for your life? I want the will of God in my life. I know you want the will of God in your life. Find the will of God. What does God want you to do? You find the will of God, then you fulfill the word of God, the will of God. You just keep doing it. You say, did you ever plan to stay here so long? Yes. When I came here with my wife as kids, I said, if you'll let me stay, and if God gives my wife and I health, if you'll let us stay, we'll stay 50 years. Now it's more than 45. And soon the church will have 46, and I, I, I can't imagine not pastoring. I'm not saying I'm done in four years. I'm just saying this. I'm saying this. I know, I know that I didn't come to leave. And there have been some times where I've been so weary as you have been weary. But I'm glad in the weariness of it, we stayed there's been days of sorrow and days of disappointment and days of hurt and, and days of frustration. I believe almost every day this week on the phone, a preacher called me and I talked to different preachers this week during the midst of youth conference that it just had been betrayal that is so sad and so hard and so difficult and they're facing this. What do I do? I said, just stay. You just stay. It's hard. And people that you love, people that you cared for, things get tough. You just stay, just stay, just stay. And you know, now looking back, for us, I'm glad our kids didn't have to jump around. Now they've jumped around since. We'll have one left, and one's preaching in Southern California tonight, one's preaching in Arizona tonight. And I know they left, but the Bible says you leave father and mother. But I'm so thankful we homesteaded here. I'm glad we had a place. And I'm glad that people have been filling this auditorium and as people come and go, someone else comes. But I tell you, with your life, find a place and anchor your life in that place. Grow a family in that place. My wife, this is always for almost 50 years now. I guess we've lived here about 48 years. But she'll say, you know, I kind of like to go home. What she's talking about, she's talking about the family farm out in, out in the country in Stillman Valley, Illinois. That's still home. It's always going to be home in our hearts. That's where I met her. That's where we dated. That's where we served God together. That's where we walked down the aisle. She did, and I looked back there, and she was such a beautiful bride, and walked, and we got married. And that's where we got into ministry, and that's where we began to serve. Yes, that's home, but guess what? This has become home. And our children have to say, we're going to come back home to see this place. I know that God doesn't have all of us to stay. I know things happen in life. And once in a while, perhaps, as my mother and dad did, they got old in life. And my sister, who's home with the Lord now, she said, I want to care for them in these last days. Jack, you've had them for 33 years. I didn't want them to leave. They sat right there where the slides are sitting tonight. And yet, it was time for my mother especially, she needed more care. And it was, they had to move. I understand that. I know everybody can't stay. I know that. But try to anchor your life somewhere. 
and build a life and through thick and thin and for good days and hard days and sunny days and rainy days and cloudy days and stormy days and difficult days and hard days and tearful days and and betrayal days. You just stay, you just stick. I'm talking to some preacher right now and you you are discouraging and probably rightfully so. What you face, what you're going through, how you're trying to move a church forward, how you pay the bills. I was praying this past week. All these years we've been here, I've not had a Sunday in my life, not had a Monday morning where we ever had enough money to take care of things. We had to secure a building when we came 46 years ago. We own nothing right now. And that first year, we rented a building on Clyde Avenue. We just rented that thing. And then the realtor was selling it, and I forget, I'll never forget on a Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, about four or five o'clock, they were walking clients through there to see this building they were gonna buy. And I said, it's not for sale. They said, it's for sale. It's right here in the San Jose Mercury News. It's for sale. And I called the pastor that owned it and a congressman that owned it. I said, we, we gotta meet. He said, I'll meet you on First Street over here at a restaurant on Monday morning. And I said, I called him by his name. He's with the Lord now. And I said, Pastor, you can't sell that. We need that building. We had just come through. We were just a baby church, and we had just raised bonds to take care of some other things and try to put some money together. And, 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 and I said, you, he said, you can't. I, 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 I can't. I got to sell it. He goes, I give you 30 days. We couldn't even qualify for a loan. And that little handful of people, there could not have been 80 people there. I said, folks, we just raised money, but now we've got to buy this building. And I'll never forget when God raised up that money in 30 days, and we secured that building, and we bought that building. Now, it's not going to sound like a lot of money to you. It was two-thirds of an acre, and that little building, it sat about 80 people. I think it was $90,000. Those homes were going for about $19,000, $20,000. And we had to pay $90,000. Never forget that. That's peanuts now, I know. But it was a lot back then. And God did it. And I'm so thankful for God's people that you, you, you stayed, you stuck. I stood in this pulpit and said, okay, we're moving out to the parking lot. We didn't start in tents, we moved in our cars, lot one, lot two, facing that platform. And then eventually, we were able to get tents out there, and people in the cars, and people in the other cars, and people down this street right here. Lane, I, I, I remember, I, I said, I didn't see the Cavaliers. They said, oh, they, they were parked, they couldn't get in, they were parked on Compassion Lane. I said, to someone, I said, I didn't see them today. I didn't see their car. I didn't see them. They said, we caught, they were across the street, parked. They couldn't get on the property. What a church. The man of God last night, we, we had 100, we had 99-minute prayer. We've been averaging about 100-minute prayer. And the other property is having a good crowd at prayer. You men have carried prayer. You ladies have carried prayer. You've taken a Bible to every home in this city. Thank God for what you've done. But it's not time to stop. Pestilence is going to keep coming. The Bible tells us that. 
pestilence is disease. It's going to keep coming the last days. It's going to get worse and worse. We know that. Oh, may there be a lighthouse. This place this morning had visitors everywhere. At the door, I was meeting people. And somebody talked to me and said, we just were interested in church. I think there's an interest in the things of God. I think there's a discouragement in this area. Not here. One night, not one of you ladies led her to Christ. One night, a lady walked in off the street, and it happened more than once, but this particular night, I met the lady. She walked off in off the street. She said, I'm so depressed. I'm so discouraged. And I walked by, and I heard some things going on back here. I walked on this property, and I saw you were meeting, and I heard the singing, and people were laughing. They were so happy here. And you were preaching. And she said, whatever it is, I want it. And I forget who, but one of you ladies led her to Christ that night. This world's hurt now. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.